Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art, but I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm-to-table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So, fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forge Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Art, where we explore art, culture, and community connections. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for listening. Today, uh, we're joined by a Baltimore-based comedian and improviser. Please welcome the very funny and talented Roberto Reed. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. It's, 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 it's very rare. I think you might be the second, maybe the third person with the derivative or version of Robert or Rob or something like that. So it's a very small group of us that have been on this podcast. Seems that way. Yeah, I do seem to meet a lot of Robs out there. Yes. And um, and I'm thrilled to have you on. Uh, I remember, you know, checking you out um, at Big, actually, a few months back. And I just remember, <laughs> I just remember being there and I'm like, okay, this dude is funny. I got to talk with this guy. And... And then, like, the audience kind of, like, fake hated you, and you kind of called it out, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> which show did you uh, did you see? This was um, this was the Artscape thing. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. No, that was fun. I, 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 I've tended to lean into those roles sometimes where I can, like, play a bad guy. And then at some points, I'm not quite sure if it ends up, if they think I'm really a bad guy. So I kind of circle back. But, yeah, it's always fun. I, I talked about that a bit and I was like, this guy's a villain. I like it. Thanks. So, you know, as we, we start off, um, you know, I like to kick it over because I think there's a lot of energy and a lot of juice with how, you know, we denote ourselves, how we describe ourselves. Like, you know, folks introduce me and say, he's a podcaster. And I'm like, oh, I use the term, you know, audio wizard. You know, that's what I use. Mm -hmm. So, right. you know, for you, you know, again, throw the have you here. 
to kick things off, could you share a bit about you and like introduce yourself to the audience? Man, I I'll, I'll be honest. This is the first time I've been given the opportunity to do to to have to do this. I I'm a comedian. I um I'm in the beginning of my career. I have been performing uh, stand up for two and a half years now, um, and I've been improvising for about two years. Um, it's it's kind of a journey that I started years ago. I mean, I'm I'm only 22 years old, but I when I was in high school, I remember not having any plans for a career other than one like wanting to make people laugh and wanting to be in a career where I could be creative and write. And so, and I and I I think to be honest, it's a tough question because I think I'm still in that self discovery part of my life at the moment. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what it is that th I realize that there's a difference between what makes you happy and what uh, excites you and what like what you want to be doing, what you find yourself doing, and you don't realize how how much you're enjoying yourself. Yeah. And so you know, it makes me happy to. I enjoy myself doing various things, but I think I've I've found myself recently becoming the most engaged when I'm writing and when I'm I'm helping others uh, hone their work and 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 honing my own work and my craft. And um, yeah, the other day I got to um, help a buddy of mine write his uh, bachelor speech or his first man speech for uh, for his buddy's wedding, and it genuinely was one of the most it was the one of the most thrilling afternoons of my life because I cut his speech down from four pages to one. And, and it was, and it was doing that, that I realized like, that's the work that I want to be doing. Um, but as a performer, I realized that I, I never, I like the, the time when I am the most myself or the, that everything else kind of disappears is when I'm on stage and when I'm just in that, there's kind of like, it's, only been described to me as that feeling which yeah. is just you're just in the zone and and kind of everything disappears and, and everything feels right um and i'm just trying to chase that right now i hear you and, and thank you i mean we're we're absolutely going to dive deeper into some of those things you teased a few so i, I appreciate that sure. and yeah you know you run into people all the time like oh you're funny you should do this you should do that and I, say, I have no interest none can't do it <laughs> Can't get on stage. Yeah. I'm huge. I'm tall. I mean, it's just all over the place. It's like, yeah, just me, you know? So it's just mm -hmm. much more attention in my area. And I, I shy away from attention. Hence, I'm a podcaster. Sure. Um, so talk about a bit about sort of that that initial moment when, you know, you kind of realize sort of this this passion for comedy, for improvisation, for, um, for writing, you know, like any of those moments, like, can you walk through those sort of initial moments where... You know, did you have an uncle to say, you know what, that's really funny or, or a friend at school that's like, all right, that's a good bit right there. And um, kind of go from there, like, you know, and, and giving you the pad time, if you will. When I think of sort of doing this, someone helped me realize it actually through this podcast. Hmm. I was a master's of ceremony when I was like five, you know. Oh, wow. No really? notion of being afraid on stage, you know, which I am now. I'm terrified of stage, but, uh, you know, no notion of being afraid on stage. And I'm just five and I'm 38 now. So it's like a really, like really early period where it's like you're going to be in front of people on a mic and kind of just 
controlling and framing this thing. And I don't know, I had a person who's a theater person mention this to me. And it was like, yeah, I think you had that early on. You used to give yourself no credit for it. Hmm. That I, I'm, I appreciate you saying that. Cause I think, well, one, I find that very interesting that looking back, you like, it's something that has been around the whole time because I think that's the case for me as well that I, my whole life, I, have been performing i it's one of the best compliments my mom gives me is that i i've got two brothers two older brothers so i'm the youngest and she mentions it all the time that i was making them laugh before i could speak and it just it was my role and and i think there are things there are reasons for that um i and i don't have to get into like the nitty-gritty of like what a childhood is like but you know i i was in a household where people weren't exactly happy all the time and i think somehow i felt it without knowing it i think i i felt the need to ease the tension at times and because of that and and that always came out in humor like i was i was i would just be the one to make a joke or be doing a bit, be doing a character when things were tense and it would make my dad laugh. It would make my brothers laugh. And, and, and ever and those were the, I think the moments that everything felt okay. And then that kind of just carried into school. I was a bad student. I was not, I looking back, I, I am genuinely, I think about this pretty often nowadays actually is how bad of a student I must have been for the teacher like knowing teachers nowadays I know peers of mine that I've grown up or in classrooms and talk about these kids and I'm like I was the guy that was would not keep his mouth shut and but I, I remember looking back I remember those were I was always attempting to I was never attempting to disrupt class I think I was I would want to make people laugh but I was trying to make the teacher laugh it was never it was never really about my peers like i wasn't trying to make the teacher look bad i was usually trying to like throw the teacher off their game a little bit but kind of do so in a way that let them know that i was still listening yeah. but uh, you know i was unable to control myself i think at the time and and then that kind of you know it as i my brain got bigger and i started just doing bigger things i i still always wanted to be the center of attention which i've like recently as an adult curved into being more respectful of other people's space <laughs> you know and um but yeah in college i was in the marching band but i still like you know that's 300 people that now i have a reason to be in front of all the time so i'd still want to be a big personality um but i remember the moment that i knew like there was a way for me to feel have that feeling and pursue a career was in was in high school i i just started watching more comedy i was a big fan of like whose line is it anyways and there's a lot of my older brother um zach who i have this podcast with he was a big fan of um like british comedy sure. a bit of fry and laurie and um uh what is it black adder and it crowd like things like that kind of this like off Com like not american comedy not the type of thing you normally see but it's all very very character driven and i just started seeing more of that and it was like oh these are th that's those are prof career professionals that do that are silly like that constantly and i remember watching the show uh comedians and cars getting coffee jerry yeah. seinfeld and the way that they would talk about 
life as though, you know, everybody thinks they're doing this magical thing, but it's like, they're not, they're, they're just kind of being, and that's how their brain works. And I think that gave me a lot of hope that I didn't have one that I didn't have to like smush this feeling out of myself yeah. and, and, and two, that it was that other people felt similarly. And that I, I think from that, I just kind of made the decision. I remember being, I think I was 16 years old. I, I made the decision that I was going to be poor for 10 years <laughs> and that made me so happy. <laughs> like I was like, I'm just going to be poor. I don't have to worry about being a career professional or doing anything successful. I grew up in a family and they're all academics and things like that. And I just decided that I was going to try to do something a little bit weirder. Um, and it has since it, you know, I'm still growing, but I, I, I'm trying not to lose that feeling. No, thank you. Um, and I, I, re I relate to that in several ways. Like, uh, I'm, I'm the person that if I'm in a weird social setting, cause socializing is weird. I mean, we just got to just cop to it, especially, especially now people aren't still aren't good with being outside. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, um, I, I had this tactic and, you know, I kind of, so I have a business degree and I kind of like disavowed myself of all of the knowledge that I earned in like business school. I just feel like mm. it's kind of like whack. It's like everyone's fake. So, you know, in that, you know, there are certain things that you learn in sort of the lab, the real life. And you were describing sort of, you know, as you matriculate, as you, you kind of grow as a, as a person, you're getting different insights. You're kind of like your brain is getting bigger as it were. So I was like, I have this thing where I like trying to crack a person. If I'm feeling like this is an awkward situation, if I can get them to laugh, they're on my side. That's mm -hmm. that's the way that I kind of work it. And and it's always just something unexpected because, you know, I'm a six foot four, like gnarly eyebrow. My my eyes disappear when I take my glasses off, all of that stuff. That's what I mm -hmm. get from people. And yeah. but when I'm in a setting, it's just like I can always stick out. And usually I'm pretty quiet, pretty reserved. But when I notice that this attention is on me, it just clicks. And I'm trying to make folks laugh. I'm trying mm -hmm. to do that that thing or what have you, because it's like, oh, you won't just look at my size. You won't just look at me in this way. You'll acknowledge like, oh, he's smart or he's funny or he has some sort of sort of thing that is, you know, outside of this obvious thing. Um. So yeah, that's 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 just what comes to mind, and I'm I sort of serve as that role in, in my immediate family. I'm the oldest, and you know it's just like I'm the one that did the college thing. I'm the one that did all of these weird. I'm the one that does the podcast, mm -hmm. and you know do, does these different things. So that's feel I feel like that's the role. It's just like I'm the weirdo of the group, you know. It's interesting because I like I I definitely I I feel what you're saying it. I think that feeling of, of trying to make people laugh as it's, it is the weird one. Like it's, it's that role, like in a social gathering, if, if everybody is taking on normal roles or whatever, however you want to call them. And one person is the humor or whatever is, is, is taking that opportunity. It seems to be like they're, they're the odd one out odd being the word, but I think it, it, kind of shows how how much more socially aware mm -hmm. you really are because you're not only gathering like you're you're kind of perceiving the tone of the room for everybody or laying it out in front of them and then addressing that it doesn't it can feel any way you want and and you're you know it and making jokes kind of takes picking up on little 
things and addressing them. And so, you know, I think you, you seem the odd one out because people, because making a joke is usually saying or doing something that other people would have never thought like to say or do in their wildest dreams. And so they kind of think that, Oh, that's how their brain works is they say and do weird things, but it's, it's like, no, I'm, you know, it, 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 I think it's, it's, there's more nuance to it. And there's, and I think one, also, you're just a person, you're like, you're just a guy. And and that's a decision you're making in the moment, but that doesn't say anything necessarily about like who you are. But um, yeah, I, I, there should be more of that. I don't know. People should be ready to laugh more often. Yeah. And, and definitely I got a, I got a question later in that, that vein. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the cool things, like I've been with my my partner for a while, and you know, one of the things we talked about early in in kind of getting together, I was like, "What do you like? Who are your comedians?" That was a, like a question, like, "What do you find funny?" And you know, early on, and, and it's still kind of the same. She would give me this sort of compliment, and she would play old like Richard Pryor like vinyl, mm. and. And I was just like, I'm sitting there just losing it because I've, I've never heard any of this stuff before. Like, I've, you know, no Richard Pryor, obviously, but not not some of these records. So I'm going through it. And she was like, the, when you're really on one and we can't get you to stop, you're do, you're running bits like this. You're you're doing this. And I was like, that's a compliment I don't deserve. She was like, I wouldn't do it if I didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. No, <laughs> especially, yeah, from that man. So... Tell me a bit, and I, and I shared mine earlier, so I need to hear yours. Tell me about that first time you like stepped on a stage, like the legit, like, because in theory, we're always on a stage, but in that mm-hmm. real sort of, was it an open mic situation? Was it um, improv? Was it like, yeah, I'm at school, I'm just going to run this bit right now, I'm going to do these jokes. What was that first time on stage to set the stage for us, if you will? I, the first time, I'm going to describe two instances, because <laughs> one was... I think the first time that I was I was stepping onto a stage alone with the purpose of sp- speaking to make people laugh or doing whatever it was, um, and at at a time where I de- where I knew that this was like the career path that I was going on, but I had not. It wouldn't be for another couple of years that I would start it. Um, was in my freshman year of college. I was seventeen. Uh, there was uh, I was so I was in the marching band. And there was a, at the end of what they call band camp, we, the uh, marching band spends two weeks before anybody else arrives at the school. Same football team is there also, but we're, we're running drill and we're, we're, you know, preparing for the first season at the end of, you know, the long two weeks, um, there's a social gathering where is a, it's a talent show. Each section of the band has to give a talent and it's mostly just an opportunity to do whatever you want, like really do whatever you want and be creative as a team or whatever. And I was really, I, I don't even remember what um, our my section did, but I was really pushing for me to be able to go up onto the stage before everybody and introduce this introduce us and introduce the set and just say a few things and like i remember trying to like run like you know talking with them about like what might be funny for me to say or what what's a funny way for me to set it up and i don't know if it was just because i had a i was really strong about it or what it was but they just allowed me to do that without really much explanation of what i was going to say or do and and i did it and it was and 
I didn't get, I, I remember not getting a terrible amount of laughs, but I do remember saying a few things that, that were the correct thing to say and, you know, made everybody laugh in the moment and set it up. And I was like, Oh, that, so that was, that was the first time that I forcefully gave myself an opportunity to do so that that wasn't by accident or wasn't just like me performing just because that's something I do. It was like an, on purpose. Um, and then it wasn't until maybe a year later, it was actually, I can, I know the exact date because it was the two it was two days after COVID dropped uh it was so march 15th or something um 2020 there was a um a show that was kind of a glorified open mic but it was on the college campus a buddy of mine was doing it with his acapella group there was a small band there was like poetry reading and and singers and whatever else and i signed up to do it as a stand-up um and they immediately were like, oh, heck yeah, we didn't expect anybody to do anything like that. That's awesome. And that was going to be my first time on stage. And I was writing jokes for it. I, I I had this little leather book that I kept around with. I still have it. But that I was keeping on me walking around campus for like a year before that, just writing things down. Yeah. So I spent maybe two months before this thinking about what I'm going to wear and, you know, writing out all these, like writing out these jokes. And I remember really enjoying like that opportunity because I was I was thinking about like pace I was thinking about things that I didn't even realize until much later that I was doing which was you know I was like uh, like how the pacing of a joke and and the tone and how my delivery and stuff like that um and then I we uh the school they said okay you know you're going on spring break early and you're also gonna not gonna come back until a week after we were like great extra long spring break uh so we had a covid party yeah shout out shout out 2020 before anybody really knew uh we had a, we had a, a corona party actually we got a 24 out we got a 24 case of corona went to my buddy's apartment we just had a party and um and I and all my friends were there and I was like and it came up that I wasn't able to everybody knew that I was going to do this and and it wasn't going to be and I wasn't going to be able to do it. So they gave me the chance right there and I performed. I did my set for them nice. and it killed and it was like, oh, that's the that was it. That's all I needed. It was like justification. You know, it wasn't wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was the it was I worked on something and it and the payoff um, kind of, you know, then a year and a half later. I was I was actually starting stand up, but it, like that it was that moment that I was like, okay, I there if I work on something, I can it there is a payoff, and I can keep trying whatever that is. That's that's great. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. That is really cool. Sure. And um, you know, like be, before doing this, um, so for give you this context, um, so this podcast specifically, uh, the truth and sorrow, was born at Big Improv. You know, I did the first twenty episodes before, you know. COVID turned into the COVID that it COVIDed and, mm-hmm. you know, being around there and seeing different things, you're, you're around people who are creative, who are, who are doing the t- storytelling thing. And, you know, at that point, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd been a podcaster for about 10 years, you know, like I was, you know, was doing it for a long time. And I used to use that, that platform, um, the, the old podcast I did to, to kind of exercise some of these demons of creative demons, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, I just wanted I like this idea of like fake commercials. And I was like, this is a throwaway, but I think it works. So I had this idea called Big Daddy Cane Sugar. And I was like, they ain't no half stepping when it comes to flavor. And my boy's like, you're stupid. And I was yeah, like, that's oh. crazy. I was like, this is what I'm doing. And I think in part, yeah. 
being around that and and kind of just having like these are one offs, but I have sort of this flexibility to just do these. I can insert these fake ads within the podcast and be able to kind of exercise that that other thing, because what we would do in that podcast was we would cover the news and we would do it like a game. It was called like a new challenger. So we'd have the street fighter thing going mm. and pretty much I would reveal one detail, something very innocuous about the title of the story. And the stories are always terrible, real life stories. And yeah. we would try to riff on it in a, in, a, in a Daniel Tosh sort of way of how many things can we say about this, you know, or really how can we go deep on this, 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 this topic. And, um, you know, that was one of those things I really enjoyed doing. I did about, you know, 10 years of that, about three, 320 episodes of it. That was my way of kind of doing, I guess, in some ways, you know, that's the skill set of doing a late night show. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, my, my partner talks about it. She was just like, people are gonna just going to find this years later. And it's like, what the hell happened to this? Why this doesn't exist anymore? It's like, well, people don't really get behind certain things or you don't really find your audience. So, so in that, you know, tying all of that together, I, I want to hear a bit, because I mentioned the, the big connection. I want to hear a bit about how, because they're running concurrently, the, you know, the the improv start and the comedy start, how do they serve each other? Like, because people mm. always either connect them very intentionally or disconnect them of like, oh, this is not comedy, but it's like, but it can mm. be. So talk a bit about how, you know, doing both of those sort of, starting both of those around the same time, like those disciplines, how do they serve each other for you? I so I started uh, performing stand up about nine months before I started doing improv, and that was it was solely by accident. I in um, in March of 2020, I actually this I was part of this Greek organization thing. They sent me to um, into Baltimore to for a conference, and we had one night off. We had one evening off, and I made the wild decision to take an Uber to go to an improv theater to go watch a show by myself. And just because I was like, I'm in the city, I have to do something comedy related. And I did. And it was awesome. I, I, this was, I was, would have been maybe 18 years old. I saw a show at big and it was, I was just laughing the whole time. I felt great. It was, and there was this kind of opportunity at the end. They, they gave the audience to kind of be weird or whatever. And I, I totally leaned into it and, so I just, I, and it was almost at that moment, I was still like playing with the idea of finishing college at all. And so, and there's, my grandparents hate me for this because I like it, just doing something weird like that. I was like, oh, I don't need, I, I enjoy learning, but I, I needed, I needed to like find a fix. And so I decided, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to finish this semester. I'm going to try to move to Baltimore as soon as I can. And I'm going to join this improv theater and I'm going to start performing comedy like this. And, you know, and then COVID hit and I wasn't able to. And every time I looked at um, the classes online, they were uh, virtual, which I didn't mind. But I also I was doing classes virtually and I wanted I, I wanted it to be in person. And so I didn't I waited on that. And then 2021, I ended up getting a job at Magoobie's Joke House. I started doing um stand up there that was my first open mic was at their bar next door and and i just i kind of dove feet first into stand up and it wasn't until later that big um my mom actually for it was a christmas present she got me the uh, the classes the 101 classes there at, at big um and 
I guess to actually answer the question, um, how do they inform each other? My so to circle back to the first thing I said, I'm not I'm still figuring out my path yeah. necessarily. I'm still fine like I'm I'm still looking for the the fix properly and and I'm not and I and I feel insecure sometimes about that I'm not I'm not necessarily quite sure what to dive in towards anymore because I'm I'm trying to do all these different things to like get that feeling. Um I do stand up because I I always I enjoy the persona that that allows me on stage. It's a very it's a very particular one and I think I have it's whenever I'm able to get into that zone when I'm doing stand up and I'm on stage, it's like nothing else and I enjoy it. I get into this weird character that is just me but a little bit more me and and trying to and 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 it's a skill that I'm trying to work on is writing and it's it's something that keeps me honest if every if I'm out every week multiple times a week can't always be doing the same material and so I have that keeps me honest like kind of keeps me week by week in terms of goals to work on is to have new material next time I go out and you know hone these particular jokes so that when I'm actually getting paid at a gig it all works out and I will say in the time since I've started doing improv and I've finished the curriculum at big and I'm practicing with an indie team and, and doing my own shows and producing my own shows at that theater, I'm just more comfortable. It, I don't have to feel like I'm pretending to be a stand-up comedian. I am a stand-up comedian mm. and doing improv kind of, I feel more free because it, you know, teaches you all those things of like getting out of your head and being at the height of the top of your intelligence while still performing any weird act. Still, you can still be weird and silly and crazy, but not be stupid. And I think that has given me a lot of it. That has helped me a lot. I think improv for me um, is a different muscle. I definitely separate the two of them in terms of the reason I do them yeah. for improv. It's, I want to keep, I, I do improv and I've been saying this kind of as a joke, but it's also true is to, I want to trick my way into a real job. Um, I want to, I want to trick people into thinking that I deserve to be on their writers team or collaborate with somebody often enough performing um, on shows that they're like, Oh, that, you know, cause I also have a very, I, I have a very analytical and ob objective mind when it comes to show production. I found that also, I produce shows with Don't Tell Comedy in Baltimore. I'm their I'm their team here, and it's just two of us. And I, I there's another wave of like inspiration comes over me when people ask like, okay, how should this be set up? I know how things should be set up because I know how people feel when they enter a room, and I know how we can like you go in anywhere that a room that says comedy. It could have a stage, a light, and a microphone, and that's one thing. But if it has a stage, a light, a microphone, and a neon sign that says comedy, you're like, oh. And so that's that's a tool, like knowing that about people is a tool that you could use when producing anything, is you you create the tone of a room, and from the start, if there's music playing, it's lighthearted, you know, the lights may be dim, but not off, like all these different things. And so I I'm trying improv lets me exercise all these different facets of the business of of comedy but also stage production but also show production writing it's i got all these different things involved that i want 
to be involved with. And I want to be surrounded by people that are like standup is such a, it's a one track. I'm working for myself. I'm selling myself and I have, and I'm, you're going straight up in the elevator. It's you're going from open mic to feature to headliner to touring. Like yeah, there's a rule book for how you do that. And with improv, I, I know I want to collaborate with people and I know I want to write with people and I want to be on teams that are producing anything creatively and anything comedically. And so stand up keeps me honest. Stand up keeps me fresh. It keeps me it's it is a different persona. It's a different tool. It might help me if I get a job as a late night anything like that as a show host anything like, like that's it I'm going to keep it forever because I I don't ever want to give it up, but improv is where I want to find a job, like a real job. It's a great answer. And, you know, I'll, I'll say like, I've, I've made this comparison on this podcast before. And I, I think what people really think about it is value there. I, I think jazz musicians and comedians are very, are cut from the same cloth. You know, I think it's something about that. And this, this notion of going out, you're trying out material. It's sort of a late night. It can be intimate things. And there is, as you were describing, but the sort of mm -hmm. elevator up, there's a track or, you can be, you know, a contributor. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm playing, you know, background here. Or if you're, it's jazz, it's jazz adjacent, but you can be in the, the roots and be on a late night TV show. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's something in that, that vein. And, you know, it, it, it is interesting to, because you had mentioned one thing that really, really caught my attention about sort of like the reps, being able to do these things and being able to have this set up, you know, I've tried to do different programming because I'm very interested in that area and putting on a show. You're right. You go there, you see something that everything is DIY, right? Um, to, to certain degrees here, what I'm able to access and you have the idea, you try to figure it out, but it's certain small things that make it move up. Like if you don't have music going or if you don't have the thing timed out, right. If you don't have that neon sign that says, there's comedy here or music mm -hmm. or whatever. People don't know what to expect. So you're you're almost it's almost a, a an inferred contract in a way that if you're going there, you're gonna get this. I'm not saying I'm gonna be funny. I'm not saying I'm gonna be interesting, but this is what we're intending to deliver to you. So, you know, the last, you know, sort of um event that I did in this vein was I do these movie screenings and I did a screening of the blackening at big. And, you know, I had a whole narrative that ran through it. You know, it was like three peeps there, you know, um, earlier in the summer. And, you know, it's a black movie and it came from this improv group, all of this stuff. It all ties there. And the audience rocked with us. We had some technical um, issues, but the audience rocked with us because we set that stage early on. But again, mm -hmm. it's that thing and you, you were touching on as far as like, you know, being the next time you're going to be on stage and next time you're going to have this new material and so on. It's getting the reps, you know, like I do this all the time. So I'm it shows, by the way, this is a fantastic interview. I was going to wait till the end, but I can't. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it <laughs> so much. Um, but it, it but when it comes to doing sort of this next thing, sort of to stretch it out, because I like the way you were describing improv is it's a, it's a broader way to do all of these other things that you're interested in. Whereas this is kind of the same. It's like, yeah, I can do a podcast. I can, you know. But the moment that I try to stretch outside of it, like I'm going to moderate, I can do this, I can do this, I can do panels, all of this different stuff. Oh, you're just a podcaster. But if you're on stage and you're organizing something, then you're much more than that. But it's very complimentary skills. Mm -hmm. I've I've said similarly, I like what you said um, that 
oh god there was a term that you used to describe the, the way that i've phrased it for long is people people gather um, the, the amount of value out of something that you put into it mm. so if they if they see that you value the space and you value the opportunity to perform in front of these people if you're producing a show if you're the creator you can you know if if it's an interview show you can have a folding table with chairs or you can have a table that's got a tablecloth and people don't necessarily look and they're like oh they got a tablecloth nice job you know but they feel it and that and that's the most important thing because it is all about like from the moment they step into the theater even not even to the showroom they the feeling is already being catered to their night you know and and so it, it, and at that point it's just like what do you want from anything that you're doing do you want is it about just you know i i need to get anything out or is it like are you creating an opportunity for yourself to to flex your own muscles but if you want to flex your muscles in an environment where it's worthwhile to you have to set everything up properly so that people are ready for it people people want it and they don't know that they want it but they're ready for whatever it is that you have you know so, absolutely um yeah i have this thing before i move to this next question i have this thing that i like to utilize especially in the um because i do a movie podcast it's very infrequent but movie podcast kind of got the the movie screenings and one of the things that i have in the movie podcast because i don't think there's quote unquote bad movies i think every movie can move up a level you know, I call it the one fix. And I was like, yeah, maybe a higher budget, you know, or better actors. But it's sort of that. Right. Thing. And I apply that when I go out to things. I'm like, all right, I don't really care about the money component. And, you know, when I was sitting there, when I first became aware of you and your work and really had a great time, I was like, I like this dude. Um, was, you know, at Artscape, as I was touching on earlier. And I'm just kind of hanging out with folks that are doing their final tweaks, their final preps for like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I was happy to say that I was able to book a few interviews with folks there, you, Michael, and, um, but also, you know, just kind of having this thing, I'm just hanging out with comedians at like big, I was like, this is, this is cool. I like this. I like this a lot. And it, it's something about that, that vibe and that energy. And so as I go in, it's like, I might like this person, but I haven't seen them do stand up yet. I haven't seen them do their their, their mm. jokes or anything. So, you know, I'm kind of going through and I reached out to some folks that I liked um, and and I didn't reach out to some folks right now. It's like, I need to see you again. You know, I need to see more of your stuff. But I'm thinking about it from that standpoint, this analytical because I'm a data analyst. Think about it from that standpoint of, you know, like, all right, what is that one fix? You know, is it that was the material not for me, but it's still funny, but it's like I'm not their audience or what is it? And kind of mm. thinking through things in that way. All right. Well, meaning I, it, I'm not sure if, if there was a question. I missed a question there, but it was making me think about something else. No, please, please. <laughs> Just uh, what you say about like meeting people and being and enjoying their their company, talking to comedians, just behind the scenes, green room type thing. I'm constantly astounded at. I I know many comedians, and but I often meet them first, and and then see them perform maybe an hour or two later, and I am constantly astounded at who people become once they get onto stage. It's yeah. fascinating to me because it's not always like they're a different person. Sometimes they go up and they're the same person, just slightly more. Sometimes they go up and it's somebody else, and. I, I, I'm 
it always kind of gives me the life to see people exercise themselves that way. Hmm. And to know that like, you know, what, whatever it is that I'm doing that we, when I get on stage and I start performing that other people feel the same way it's, and, and it can take any form. It can take absolute, like there are people that some of my favorite standups in the, in the DMV, they'll just get up on stage and they just, like this one guy, um, I think his name is Stephen Chen. He, I mumbled that because I'm not entirely sure his name. I met him once, <laughs> um, and uh, but he he was at one of our our uh, don't tell comedy shows. We were it was in Handen, just some clothing store. We you know moved everything out of the way and put a bunch of chairs in there. And he drove down from DC and we met him. Nice guy, kind of reserved, like didn't didn't say much. He was like to me, it seemed like he was kind of focusing up before the gig. And then he gets on stage and he's just, it's like 15 minutes of non sequiturs. It there, it, he, it wasn't even like set up punchline. I'm trying to, he was just saying stuff like, like, you, you know, you, you ever, you ever butter the pan and the, like with the, the pan butter spray and then you, and you, and you get on a little finger and you taste it. And then he'd like look around and then, and then he'd start saying something else. And, and the audience was just loving it. They were eating it up and <laughs> laughing. And it was, it was the t my favorite type of laughter that I see is, is when people are like, what? <laughs> like, it's like, they don't understand it, but they, they see it right in front of them and they cannot help but laugh because if they don't laugh, then they feel crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and so just like stuff like that, it's like, how do you even find that you're good at that? And besides just doing it and then finding, and then it feels good. So you keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and I, I got two more questions. Um, and I, I want to throw this one out there because I think it, it fits within what you were describing there. Um, at one point, a couple of years back, uh, probably pandemic time, I was probably going to do a TV show. We shot like six episodes, um, mm. but it's never going to come out. So whatever. But I remember it was this sort of man man around town and kind of having people show me how they do what they do, right? So it's like, mm. I'm going to hang out with a knife maker. Um, so I'm doing the intro and I was like, this is funny, right? I was like, I'm just going to do this. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really nervous in doing intros. This is like not my thing. I didn't have the reps at the time. And I'm like, I, I say something akin to, we're in this like area that it looks like where Van Damme would fight people back in like the mm. early 90s it's just like everything is abandoned and i'm like you ever need to cook up some crack and you need something really sharp to cut it get knives from and they're like yo the the, the film the filmmakers was like hold on, hold on what are you really going with that take i was like yes <laughs> absolutely dead ass and, yeah. like, yo. and it's knowing the audience is you know seeing that sort of nerve and not knowing to expect that it was like oh if it was just me running that type of thing the entire time it's like all right. It's just like, just keep it rolling. This is going to get me comfortable. This is going to get you guys comfortable and mm -hmm. get something good. Maybe it can be something that we use later in, in the side, but just keep rolling, keep shooting. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but yeah, it was just shooting that shot, I guess, at that, that moment. Cause I was like, this is going to not be received well. And they could just sandbag it. And they were like, you're an ass. That's funny. That's really funny. I, I like that a lot. I like the idea of, um, is something being a little bit fe feeling on an edge, but it it came naturally, obviously. So it, it came naturally for a reason. And trusting yourself as a comedian and as a creator and trusting the feeling more than you trust, like, oh, 
when you think you know you can step back and look at it analytically like oh will people like this based on the tone and this and that but often that's not your job as a creative your job is to trust whatever it is that like made it all come out and let it just let it happen that's spot on spot on um so these these last two real questions are in this vein of um like sort of process and and even that sort of the 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 talking about certain topics within you know comedy so i want to start off with the process piece um so i'm curious about your process where it is now and you know again you you were you were saying like this sort of trajectory over the last like few years but you know can you talk us through a bit and you've touched on it a bit earlier of like having that you know the the having something to write on having something to capture ideas but how do you like what does that process look like for you that initial idea to sort of the the final tweaks putting it out there in the universe um and, and doing it on stage doing it front in front of people i I hate this question, not because it's a bad question, but because it makes me have to think about my own process. Um, <laughs> it's something that I struggle with terribly is like, I'm astounded that people can just be like, all right, you know, on, on Tuesday, three to five, I'm going to go to the library and I'm going to focus. I do not have that. Like I, my focus just is absent and then it'll arrive in the middle of the night and then it'll disappear again and then i'll just be driving and i'll be like like i'll have all these ideas and like everything kind of pieced together and then i have to like i'll be driving and i'll, I'll have my phone up and i'll just be talking into my notes trying <laughs> to get trying to get a certain like the pacing of a certain th idea out and it it is so random and that like truly when at least the 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 first instance of many of like my best ideas, or at least when it comes to stand up, my best jokes are usually by accident or I'll be writing. I'll, I'll be like working. I'll write two pages trying to work out an idea. And then from that, I'll, uh, one of the jokes that I'm trying to make a part of that is funnier than the rest of it. So I'll, I'll tear out two pages and then start with that joke and it's a different joke entirely. Like it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with anything I was just writing about. But and and I think honestly, it's just been mostly about you know tr I'm still in the mode of trying to figure out w how to place my body in the best place to be creative in a certain way. And that's like okay, you know, I have to eat. I have to have a coffee. I have to you know focus. I've, I've started. I'll go to a coffee shop and I. I've realized my own focus, like I have to put AirPods in with nothing playing my hood up and I put sunglasses on. I'm like, all of my senses are like deadened <laughs> and only then am I able to like write. Um, but that's, you know, that that's just part of like, it's a job still. And it's, and, and so I, and I want to enjoy it as much as I can. But if I, you know, if I'm, if I'm work, like if I'm struggling to try to get something new out, I usually try to, that's when I'd like go to improv. Like that's to me, that's if I'm like really struggling with, with trying to get something new out and stand up, I like, I'm always set thankful how often I either am meeting with my conservatory team at big or my indie team, or I have some show where I'm just doing short form games or something like I can get back into, you know, one of the, one of my Zen modes, which is like getting to be funny on stage, but without, it being like my work 
I'm, I'm kind of, I'm getting to play off of others and other people are making me laugh and I'm, you know, enjoyable. And then usually I'm in a better mood to just go up on a stage, like an open mic and then just riff. And I, I may like bring up a topic. I think it's, I think it's a bad crutch for a lot of comedians, but especially myself that, you know, if I don't, if I, if I think an idea is funny, but I haven't been able to write it properly I just don't write it. And then you try to go up at an open mic and you just talk around it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good once. I think it's, you know, you, you do that, you do that once or twice in the right context to try to work out an idea. But if, if it goes beyond that point where you just keep like, you're like, all right, I'm going to put that in my set. And then, you know, you keep going back multiple times and you just talk and, and you never actually write what you're going to say down. There are some comics that it all just comes naturally and they don't have to write their set, but I'm, I, I write not word for word, but I, the, the jokes are written like the, the setups are specific and the jokes are written. And so I, I, I try to, I'll riff on stage. I'll, I'll see what it, see what sticks and then whatever sticks, I kind of go back the next day. I write down what I said and then you just keep folding. You try you know, you press it one more time, you fold it back, you press it one more time, you fold it back. And then eventually that's a joke. You have another 30 seconds added to your set. And then the next step for me is where can I place that joke within my other material that it fits? Like I've recently taken another step back, looking at the whole thing and realized, you know, like now it's, I'm not, I'm not just looking at what jokes are working. I'm looking at like the set as a whole. Does it make, does it start strong does it have, you know, do they, I gain their trust? Can I get creative and playful? And then do I end strong? Like, you know, there's, and try not to tone shift too much. Try not to make it look too much like I'm doing material and then shifting to a joke. So it, there's like many different, many, many, many steps to it. But I think the process for me is just stay busy. Like I can't, the moment I slow down, I lose my mind. And I, and, and it makes me less creative, which makes me less busy, which like, I kind of fall into this hole of like not wanting to do things because I haven't been. And so the moment I just go out and I, I, you know, I go out and perform again, I feel fine. I feel great. And I'm back. And, you know, I, any second I have, I try to make it worth it, you know, need that fix. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So this, this is the last real question. And you know, this kind of goes into that vein um, a bit where, you know, I I, I enjoy you know, when comedy pushes boundaries. I, I don't really like sort of the safe thing. I think, you know, there are if, if you're if you're skilled at putting together a joke, anything can be funny. Um, and I think now there are certain things that aren't allowed to be funny. Right. Mm -hmm. And are there any topics, uh, current contemporary topics or phenomena that you're just like, this is off limits for me. Or what are your thoughts around sort of like topics that you're not going to even consider for material? Interesting. There are, there are topics that I wouldn't consider for material, not because I don't think people um, have the, the stomach for them or, or it's not in, it's not in uh, classy culture or whatever, you know, it's not an appropriate, it's not appropriate to talk about. Not, not necessarily. I don't avoid things for that reason. I avoid things because I don't think I'm the comedian to say some of these things. Um, and, and that honestly just comes from the, the voice that I've realized that I'm speaking from as a comedian. I, you know, I, there are 
I will. I I don't think I'll ever have like. I've I've found this a lot of comics that I know, um, are able to talk about serious things or able to talk about. Um, there's this particular comic I know, Matt Pennington. He has this. He like dances on this edge so often that it is hard to watch sometimes like especially when he's not doing when he has a bad set it's just like oh you just you look terrible and but when he when he does it right and when he's in this in that pocket he's making he's making you know like every type of joke that you think you shouldn't be able to say he makes it funny not because he's he because he doesn't punch down he's punching up at the idea of mostly at trying to phrase it probably because he's not like punching at society he's mostly just punching at like you know this like how tense this is for me to even be saying this what like there there is humor in why you feel tense and it's never because the actual it's not because you're a good person it's usually because you are uncomfortable and you're uncomfortable for a for a reason and and so I approve of that type of comedy. I think that it, I think it's excellent. I think it's dangerous, but personally, I, I, I don't do strong ideas. Like I don't, I don't try to um, hit people in that zone. I usually, I'm trying to think what makes me funny. Um, it's, it, it is, and I think I've also found this about like kind of what what separates me from the conventional standup, and that's because and that's that I am I'm playing a character, and I'm mostly a lot of my jokes poke at like my physical presence, and because I'm a smaller man, I'm not the most masculine. I you know I've got this like I, I have this look about me and whatever, and. So, you know, I poke at that. I poke at my generation because it's something that, you know, people don't like Gen Z, but there are, there are reasons why you don't and they're not all our fault type thing. And, <laughs> um, and, and it, they usually, and then eventually when I'm in the pocket, it's usually just, I'm, I'm being silly and I don't like being mean. It's funny. I, I sound like such a, it, I'm surrounded by, it's a very, uh, dude bro energy to to stand up and i'm not that guy and so i like you know this is i me explaining all this i'm like oh there's a reason they you know they don't they look at me the way they do but it's because i'm enjoying myself and um so if if i avoid a topic it's not because i don't think it shouldn't be talked about i think you can joke about absolutely anything and i think some of the best stand-ups there are out there at the moment are ex exemplify just that is that like they they will make you know Shane Gillis has, he's got all these jokes where, you know, he's, he's using the R word and he's talking about, you know, his family members with down syndrome. And it's like, you've never been, you've never like, you should, you shouldn't joke about that. Right. But it's, it's finding that gray area and kind of just displaying it for people rather than punching down. You, you, you toss it into a room and you kind of let the room feel about it, what it will. And then you, and then you're just like, well, look at look at what you did because i didn't do that i didn't make the room feel like that you got and, and i don't know but um yeah on that i i i think i think people should stay in their lane um but have a healthy exercise of of you know you know moving around however you want however that analogy works perfectly
No, that, that's that's great. And I'll, I'll say this before I go into these rapid fire questions. And thank you. That was a really, that was a really great response there. Um, so before that, that podcast that I was doing before and before we wrapped it up, um, you know, my co-host, white guy, what have you, not the most masculine, vaguely Italian, you know, those things. Right. Nice. And, and I, I remember uh, we were at um, we were trying to not make fun of anything that was happening in, in 2020 around like George Floyd and all of that stuff. Cause it's a lie. It's hard to, it's hard to talk about any of that stuff, but I, I just like how, you know, he became woke briefly. He's like, man, as a large black man, I should buy you lunch, man. Let's get Italian for lunch. And it was a lot of that energy. But I remember during the summer, it was like some of the greatest hits of him not knowing where to fit as a white guy. And he, he said something, he was like, so Rob, I got a serious question. What type of porn can I watch on Juneteenth? Should it only be ebony or can it be interracial? He was saying it very earnestly, and I was like, that's hilarious. And the last thing that we said going into the vein of who can say something and who can't. And I was like, yo, you're 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 a straight, cisgendered white guy, what have you. So there's sort of like limits of what you can probably say without getting a bunch of guff from it. And we were talking about, we had this episode we called uh what is it? Problematic ice cream. And I was just like, I just want to do a version of Ben and Jerry's. And then we just start riffing back and forth. He was like, can it just be half like briars and water and whoever's buying it? We just like fun things that they hate. I was like, yes, it's called, we don't kneel. It's called, we love the flag, yeah. all of these different things. Yeah, yeah. Then the proceeds are going to like healthcare for trans people and all of right, this. Right. Stuff. He was That's just like, funny. let's do it. Yeah. He's like, sweet, that's perfect. Let's make it happen. And yeah. I was making to him, I was like, you can't say that, but I can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it when it comes to to that stuff. And now this is the hot seat portion. I want to give you these rapid fire questions. I only got three of them. Um, sure. And uh, so you, you mentioned earlier, you know, television, like sort of the, you know, you mentioned IT crowd, things of that nature. I don't know if you've checked it out, but you might like it. Uh, Toast of London. I enjoy that. <laughs> Big fan, yes. I was God, watching before we favorites. got on. Yeah, yeah. So in that, is there a TV character that you relate to most? Oh, God. Um, a TV character that I, I relate to most. I I think honestly, and I and not not because I I relate to, I think that character exemplifies me. It's These are just the ones that, of my favorite shows, Fry you know, from Futurama. He's just, he's just a dummy, man. He's so like, but he's so feeling, he's all feeling and, and he's very stupid. And I love the way he speaks. Um, I think JD from uh, uh, Scrubs, yeah. I think there are a lot of characters from Scrubs that I think each one of them, I, I like put, I, there was a part of me, I think the janitor like was, is was a big inspiration <laughs> just because he like, you couldn't never didn't quite understand him. Um, God, this is where this is where all of my television knowledge flies out of my head. Um, yeah, I th I think those will be that those will be my two answers because I do think those are like the most influential shows or the, the most rewatched shows I've ever of of my lifetime are Futurama and Scrubs, and and yeah, and and like you know Bender and Fry, just like that that dynamic of of being all feeling just absolutely no objectivity like i've just wanted that um and then the heart and, and within scrubs it's mostly of like how 
weird and thoughtful one can get while also having like deep, powerful, heartfelt emotions. Um, you know, I, I, I projected on too. That's, that's great. Um, I'll throw this out there because I think you might find it funny. Uh, I don't know. I always look at movies, but when it comes to TV shows, my, my partner, she's mentioned four different people, three of which are from the same show. And one is from something I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that one. So pretty much every black dude on, on the, the office. So you got mm. like from Patrice O'Neill to Stanley to Craig Robinson. She's like, you're in a mm. of three of them. I was like, fair enough. And then the other one that her and uh, her kids mentioned, which I was like, that's wild. They were like, you're essentially Cal from Euphoria. I was like, wow, that's that's a lot. I was like, that is a lot. I know I know a, a very little amount about Euphoria, but I'm hoping it's a compliment. <laughs> you know, that's uh, it is, it, more so for one scene where he's like, no, you're all a bunch of assholes. It was just like that energy in his where he's right, like, right, he's right. talking to his family, by the way, when he says this. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow. But you're you're it seems like they're you know, they're trying to say you're willing to you you wear it on your sleeve type thing, you know, you're willing to say you're be honest and and, and yes. say the matter of fact. Yeah. Um what is your what is your favorite meal? Oh <laughs> like how your face completely changed when I asked that, by the way. Well, I wanted to think seriously about it. I struggle with food. I I, I don't eat well. Um, and it'll show truly how in my 20s I am at the moment that my favorite meal is uh, is food that I pick up from a restaurant. Um, my favorite meal at the moment is uh, because this is not not TMI, but it's details about me. I have Crohn's disease. So it, it I dieting and stuff like that, I'm still figuring out. But a, a Chia Banana Boost with strawberries and protein from Tropical Smoothie Cafe. I'll eat that every single day. It's just, it goes down easy. It's got a lot of protein and all the good stuff in it. And, uh, and it tastes good. That's, that's, that's an honest answer. Like I'm yeah. going through, I'm reasoning out my stuff and figuring out definitely increasing the amount of po protein and working to increase the fiber. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is the last one I got for you. Um, so, Let's say you you know you've crushed it, you've killed, you're you know you wrapped up um, on on stage. How do you prefer your night to end? What what is it? Is it getting drinks afterwards? Is it uh, you know like I need to crash now? Dopamine drop? Like what is the mm. how, how perfect night end for you? I so I've been I I for the last two years uh, well basically since I started uh, up until about halfway through this year. I was going and going and going and going and going, trying to hit as many spots as I can and not giving myself any time. Um, and I'm trying to been I've I've recently tried to be nicer to myself in terms of, you know, I, I think performing is good for that fix, but I don't I don't think that fix is necessarily all I need to have a good mental health. Um, because it feels good, but I don't know whether it is good as my soul, like dopamine, you know? Um, so I've been trying to hang out more with people. I, I you know, that be like, whether it may mean missing a, an open mic for an evening, but if I have a show with my improv group, I'll get drinks with them afterwards. I think the way that ideally, I think my a perfect evening would of course mean killing on stage, uh, 
probably going for drinks afterwards um, with with my team. Like I think it'd be uh, ideal night would be going from a stand up show um, and li- uh, leaving immediately to go do an improv show. I think that's I love the nights that I get to do that. Um, it just it is always it's such a fun like twist or whatever you know and and you know going from improv and then being with my team and everybody's you know we if it's a nice show go out for drinks and then i usually i still have a chronic like i just stay up all night um even though i work a morning job i'll usually you know my improv teams they're all older than i am they're all at least six years older six to 12 years older than i am and so they all get sleepy pretty early um and i so you know we'll go out for drinks enjoy yourselves and then i go home i honestly great way to wind down at the end of my like my days has been i live with my best friend uh he's one of my roommates and i'll get home i'll smoke a joint with him and he and i watch tv shows together he and he and i are we're currently watching invincible we just finished better call saul we we've been watching you know we've been it's it is one of uh, just a great pleasure of mine because it's when i finally kind of i allow myself to vegetate and not do anything productive um and that's it i i like it i that's that that's that is the perfect evening i think to me at the moment sounds like a winner to me that's that's great yeah. so that's kind of it for the podcast um this is great we were able to get a lot done and one i want to thank you again for coming on and making the time to to hang out with us and um two i want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out follow you social media website any of that good stuff the floor is yours well i want to thank you again for having me this was a fantastic interview i don't i don't often get the opportunity to speak on it like speak from the heart kind truthfully like this you know i go on a podcast usually and i'm i'm on i'm in my go mode comedian wise and and um so and and i liked your questions like i think all of this kind of it gave me the opportunity to say exactly what i like how i felt about these things and maybe centered it more for myself anyway so thank you uh you can follow me i'm uh roberto reed r-e-e-d uh on instagram roberto reed underscore I am, uh, you can listen to the, uh, the podcast I have with my brother, which is, uh, the welcome to earth podcast, uh, where we do, it's very little of me. Actually, it's, I, I play characters on that podcast. It's it, every episode I'm in, I'm at least two, two to like five different characters that he and I are, it's, I, I love that dynamic because he and I will, it's just the two of us there, but there will be like scenes going on where there's like six people in the room and they're, we're on the phone with an FBI agent, stuff like that. That's a fun podcast. Um, check out Don't Tell Comedy if you're in the Baltimore area. I, uh, I pr- produced that with Adam Friesman. He and I have been doing a lot of hard work. We're getting to um, mu- uh, weekly shows either in Annapolis or Frederick or in Baltimore, we're always a different location. Um, check out the Port Comedy Club. I, um, I, I'm a regular there, but I it's it's a, a comedy club right in Fells Point that's run by comedians and owned by comedians. Everything in there, and so it is for the scene entirely. It's I, I they have free shows every week where comics get to try out new material, and they've got headliners every weekend. It's run by a great guy, Matt Hurley. Um, they're doing a lot of good work there. Uh, what else? Gosh, I should have more. And check out Big Worm Improv. That's my indie team. Uh, check out big, a lot of good shows. I'm, I'm producing a show, um, starting next year. They're going to give me a, a run of, I'm producing a game show called Curveball, 
um, short form games, kind of whose line style, but game show style with buzzing answers and there's curveballs in the mix and stuff like that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of comedy in Baltimore and people should people should check it out. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank the very funny Roberto Reed for coming on and sharing a bit of his journey with us. And for Roberto, I'm Rob, saying that there's art, culture, and community in and around Baltimore. You've just got to look for it. Oh,